Hello, welcome back to Let's Talk Nudi. My name is Annie Sikoy, your podcast host. And this week's episode, we had Iwa Josephson. She is a certified hypnotherapist and yoga slash meditation teacher. And let me tell you, I actually booked one of her hypnotherapy sessions. And let me tell you, it was so amazing and beautiful. I've never done it before. And I never, I, I didn't know if I was ever going to do it, but obviously it was like a little scary at first, but she made me, made me feel so comfortable and made the whole experience so amazing. And to be honest with you, I really think everyone should do it at one point in their lives. I never understood how important the subconscious is when you are making any life decision or just everyday decisions. And it's just so amazing to actually, you know, bring up so many things that I had in my subconscious to be able to like, I guess, heal, you know. But yeah, so she comes on and I'm just so honored to have interviewed her and she is just so knowledgeable in her field. So yeah, so I really hope you guys enjoy this episode. Let me know what you think. Thank you so much for coming to the podcast. Thank you for inviting me. It's good to be here. Yes, yes. Um, just a quick, maybe talk a little bit about you and tell us about your background with yoga. So my name is Eva Josephson. I'm from Sweden, born and raised. I left Sweden when I was 25. I moved to New York. I was in New York for a few years. Then I discovered yoga and got really into yoga and became a full-time yoga teacher in Miami. And that was uh, like... 12 years ago now um been in the yoga world for a long time yeah Not like there was no instagram when we started you know oh my god yeah oh, okay so when i see uh, all the new yoga teachers and how savvy they are they're so good at this you know throwing mm -hmm. their own events and promoting it and everything Uh, that was not us at all. Like when we started, you just have to beg a yoga studio to give you classes. It was like the only way, basically. Of course. No, yeah, I feel like the dynamic changed a little bit with yoga teachers. It's definitely more events. Uh, but that's beautiful. What were you doing in New York? I moved there as a freelance journalist um, and realized that it was actually very difficult to be a freelance journalist in New York. It was actually easier in Gothenburg, Sweden, believe it or not. Wow. Because in New York, there was so much competition, right? It makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> but So I was still a journalist when I was there. I still had some gigs, but I couldn't make a living. Also with New York rents, obviously. Oh my God, yes. So I became more of a jack of all trades. I was uh, in the art, media, fashion world, kind of like, trying everything yeah of course yeah. sometimes that is what it is you know like what you have to do in order to discover your path exactly That's so beautiful yeah. so and then did you want to become a yoga teacher or was it like stumble upon in your life oh i would never have believed you <laughs> like, <laughs> if you told me i was gonna become a yoga teacher i would be like no way no That's so i funny. did not believe that at all for a second i was also Um, extremely unhealthy, <laughs> like really chain smoking cigarettes, drinking pretty much all the time, which is also very New York, I guess. But mm -hmm. yeah, I was definitely very far removed from that. Wow. And then you moved here and then you discovered yoga. Did you just start doing yoga and you're like, well, let me get certified? I started in New York. So part of like being jack of all trades there was that it was so stressful, right? There's so much pressure 
and especially when you're young and you don't know how to have your boundaries and say no yet so I was always like a yes person like if somebody proposed a project I always jumped mm -hmm. in and a lot of time it turned out it was things that I was really not that good at and then you feel even more pressure um, so I discovered yoga because I was renting a loft and my friend had just done a teacher training and she was asking if she could teach a class in my space and so I was kind of forced to participate against my will just because I <laughs> wanted to help her. Um, and it was a horrible experience because I was so incredibly stiff. I was the stiffest in the whole room. Turns out all my friends could kind of do a down dog, but I couldn't. I had to like really bend my knees, you know, <laughs> like like you see guys that come from the gym. I was that level of stiffness and I didn't like it at all. But. Uh, she kept coming every week <laughs> so I was forced oh to do gosh. it and I started noticing that in Shavasana something incredible happened where all that old tension that I think I was so used to having that tension in my body that I didn't know about it until I started realize uh, experiencing the release so in Shavasana in that resting pose at the yeah. end of the practice something amazing happened right so i was like okay it's worth it i can suffer through these stretches uh to get that <laughs> shavasana right yeah. and that's how it started and then slowly of course you open up you know e even really stiff people um like i was you, you slowly open up and then you get to the point where actually the whole practice is enjoyable right yeah, yeah. wow i i feel like that that's how a lot of people live with this like constant, you know, neutral, uh, like heaviness. Yeah. A lot of people live like that. And sometimes people don't realize that it's there until they do something that, you know, allows them to pause and become yeah. aware of their body sensations. So anything can become normal, right? If, if you have any kind of experience for as long as you can remember, that becomes your normal. Mm -hmm. And, um, most people that I work with, what we actually do is we look for what is the thing that seemed normal but really is not beneficial. So tension, having like um, extreme amounts of tension in your body is not beneficial, even though it seems normal, right? Mm -hmm. So you're a hypnotherapist, and yes. I so that that yeah. was that was <laughs> what I slipped into <laughs> through the yoga, through the meditation and a lot of spiritual practice i found hypnosis mm -hmm. okay. and that was that was a game changer because um what what yoga did for my body uh hypnosis did for my mind you could say it really made me aware of so much negative self-talk that again seemed normal right yeah so, so it's so funny because when i grew up nobody ever talked about the self-talk all the focus was how we speak to each other so you knew that you had to you know be nice to other people but nobody mm -hmm. told you to focus on how you speak with yourself and my self-talk was at times very unhelpful unhelp like you know your inner critic um, can start asking questions such as what's wrong with you why you always do this and when you have an inner critic that's really loud like that and kind of criticizing you from the inside, that has a tremendous impact on what you do and how you do it. 
it's it's like you're walking around with this negative nancy who's just treating you like shit you know <laughs> that's so crazy because we don't notice no we, we don't. don't because nobody talks about it nobody it's like does. this mm-hmm. this secret in plain sight Thank God now there's more talk about it. But Mm -hmm. you know how it used to be uh, said that having voices in your head was the sign of mental illness, right? Like she's hearing voices, he's hearing voices. Yeah. Which is insane because we're all hearing inner conversations in our head. That's, I I think, when they study it, at least 90% of people experience their thoughts as like voices in their head. And then, you know, there's some people who don't. But yeah, this is the the um, majority of people, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So when I grew up, I'm, I'm 41. So when I grew up, it was never talked about and like hearing voices was kind of just a sign of being insane right Mm -hmm. (laughs) so 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 there was never an opportunity to do anything about this Mm -hmm. and then when I found hypnosis and I started noticing oh this is my self-talk oh this is how I want my self-talk to be I want to change my inner critic to become my inner supporter so instead of saying oh my god you're always screwing up or whatever it's start saying I got you I'm on your side you're doing the best you can let's make this happen right Mm -hmm. that shift is priceless and this starts when we're little right yeah so the the inner critic is actually criticism that you experience usually in your first seven years of life especially we're very programmable up until uh, we're teenagers and then we're always programmable but not Mm -hmm. as much like kids they really are like sponges for this so it can be criticism that you were told straight up right like when your parents said like what's wrong with you um you should be ashamed of yourself these are like the Mm -hmm. worst things you can say to kids never say that to a kid but the thing is that a lot of times it's not even outspoken it's actually the kid is reading between the lines, you know, seeing mm-hmm. the mom's face or, you know, the tone and the voice of the father, wow. right? So you pick up even when they think things and you notice it because kids are also very perceptible. Is that a word? <laughs> <laughs> I think so. <laughs> so, so. So a lot of times I think we pick up on things that are not being even said and we also pick up on how the people in our lives are relating to themselves so let's say you have a parent that never really blames you for anything but they always blame themselves i'm such a fuck up i keep you know mm-hmm. making mistakes blah 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 it's my fault blah 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 the kid is actually going to start imitating that and do the same thing, right? Wow. Mm-hmm. So there's so many ways this could happen. It could also be teachers. It could be um, people, you know, your peers in, in your daycare or school. Um, you can even be impacted by TV or movies or anything really as a child. It can be very random events. And sometimes I work with people where there's like no logical um, explanation for why they would have picked up these things. Um, and I don't 
put a lot of emphasis on finding out where did this belief come from because it happens when you're so young and it can happen so randomly and it really doesn't matter for how you're going to change it like you're going to change it no matter what whether Mm -hmm. you know where it came from or not doesn't really matter if your goal is just to change it and you you're aware of it yeah you have to become aware of it Mm -hmm. in order to change it Otherwise, I mean, it it would be more random. It could still change, but it would randomly change. For you to like Mm -hmm. consciously change an old belief, like an old subconscious program or your self-talk, you would have to first become aware of it, like the inner critic. If you think that the inner critic is the truth, right? Because if you never like really... had this conversation or thought about this before maybe you think that what the inner critic is saying in your head is actually true then of course you're not going to change it but once you start questioning it and you're like wow that inner critic is such a bitch like she doesn't (laughs) she doesn't treat me nice ever she's never on my side she's always trying to throw me under the bus right And you start thinking, if I had a friend like that, would I want to be friends with that person? Would I want that person to be with me constantly? And so, yeah, once you make it conscious, it's another story for sure. Wow. And and how would you, I guess that would go into, you know, hypnosis, but how would you say is the best way to become aware of these, you know, negative thought patterns or the critic? If you want to do it on your own, journaling is amazing. And journaling, especially um, right before you fall asleep, right after you wake up, because that's when you're less in your prefrontal cortex, less in your pre- like very aware, very conscious mind, and more in your subconscious mind, more in your dream world, your mm-hmm. imagination, which is what we're looking for here so if you think about it when you're dreaming you're 100 percent in the subconscious mind okay so right before you fall asleep right after you wake up you're still a little bit there if you want to see it scientifically it's like the brain waves of alpha or even theta mm-hmm. okay. beta brain waves is what we're on right now we're very alert we're drinking mm-hmm. our green tea we're like <laughs> we're like very awake very conscious You don't want to be there. You want to be where you're a little sleepy, dreamy and just start writing. Just start associating whatever comes. um, Just write it down and then look for patterns. You can also write down your journal, your dreams, because your dreams, all your subconscious mind. And when you journal dreams, don't look for so much um, the details of the dream, because the details are going to be very artistic. (laughs) <laughs> it's it's, yeah. it's an artistic process but what your subconscious mind is doing is that it's processing different emotions mm-hmm. so look for the emotions in your dream let's say that you over and over have dreams where you feel guilty guilt then you know okay there is something in my subconscious mind I feel guilty about mm-hmm. you will probably um, make up different scenarios for you to feel that feeling and those scenarios are not as important it's more about Mm -hmm. the feeling so kind of same thing when you journal look for the feelings and if you want to change then what you want to change is your negative feelings 
the most toxic feelings that we have is shame, guilt, and fear. That's universal. Mm-hmm. And whenever, whenever you experience it, that's going to be the biggest reward to change. Yeah. What, when, you, um, when we did our session uh, last week, something stayed with me that helped me simplify, I guess, my emotions. Because sometimes you overcomplicate your emotions. You, you write a story, right? When you're yes. like actually thinking about your, what you're feeling. You're like, oh, well, it's because of this, 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 right? But your subconscious body is, is, is so simple. It's like yeah. basic emotions. And yeah. sometimes when I'm stressed or like I'm feeling a negative emotion, I'm like, okay, what is, what is this underlining emotion that I'm feeling? Yeah. And like, and that has helped me identify my thought pattern. Like, yeah. why am I telling myself to feel this way or like yeah. ashamed or something? Yeah. And, and that has been so powerful for me because we overcomplicate so much. Like we think we're not, maybe we're not smart enough or we're not there yet to heal certain patterns or whatever, but we are, it's just you becoming aware of them. Yeah. hundred percent. And, and it's such a good point that you make. Um, and we are very known to do this as humans. What we do is um, when we feel something that we're not sure why we're feeling it, we almost always make up a story to rationalize it. So if we're you know, talking to somebody and that person makes us feel uncomfortable, then perhaps we make up a story about how they're not a cool person, right? Uh, we always manage to do this and a lot of times it takes us away from from the actual feeling and from just seeing it for what it is let's talk a a little bit about your um, you becoming a hypnotherapist and your journey with that yeah so after um, almost I think like maybe eight years as a yoga teacher I um, had my baby I had a baby boy, his name is Rumi, and it was a huge life-changing event, of course, and I got some time to look at my life and, you know, really see it from the outside because I was, you know, home with the baby and, and just getting a little distance and a little perspective, and that's when I realized that I wanted to do this hypnosis training. I wanted to go really in the direction of the mind and how to change the mind. But I mean, I think initially my own, like healing my own um, subconscious programs. And then of course it became about sharing it and holding space for others to do it too. And I went to my old friend, Shauna Cummins. She is an author of Wishcraft, the book, and she's an amazing hypnotist. She's in New York. I know her from my New York days. Mm. And so I went to her and I did her training in New York at a beautiful place called Maha Rose in Greenpoint. And um, it kind of all aligned beautifully. I. I, got, I went back to hang out with my all New York friends. One of them has two kids, uh, kind of same age as Rumi. So she was taking care of my son Aww. while I was in training and, and it was amazing. And sometimes it's like things just open up in front of you and, and you're like, wow, like how, how did this all align? Because I remember when it started, when I was like 
just home with the baby, just thinking, I really want to become a hypnotist. Like, I really want to do Shauna's training. And then it was like, kind of impossible in a way, but I don't live in New York anymore. Like, I don't have money. I'm home with a baby. Like, it was like all these obstacles. Mm -hmm. And what I learned from Shauna is the power of wish craft, of wishing, not witch, not with the T, but just wishing, the power of wishing for something. Because when you make a wish, like in this case, I really want to become a hypnotist, your subconscious mind starts looking for the possibilities for that to happen. So making a wish is totally free. You can do it at any point in time. You don't have to see a shooting star, right? You can do it right now. Just wish for something that you want. And simply by wishing for it, you increase the possibilities of it happening. Um, sometimes we get stuck in negative patterns where we focus on the obstacles. And then, unfortunately, your subconscious mind actually starts filtering in all the obstacles, all the problems. And you're going to become hyper-focused on that. Um, you know how people wow. sometimes just see the negative, right? Mm -hmm. That's that's like, again, a subconscious program of like looking for that. You don't do it consciously, but, but you are doing it, right? Yeah. So if you shift that into looking for the possibilities for the doors that can be opened, right? Like there's, there's a huge shift. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I think that goes on to talking about um, I don't remember who I was talking about, like being positive. Oh, it was my friend Sammy that I interviewed. She grew up in a very positive, um, you know, environment with her parents and, and her family. And I was too. I was really, um, I'm really grateful that I grew up with, you know, positive parents. It's always very positive. And I think I grew up to be very, uh, a positive, generally positive human being yeah you seem like it yeah and yeah. I think that helped me so much in my life because yeah. everything that I wanted to do it was like why not or like yeah you know I don't know oh I want this and subconsciously it would be like let me look for the yeses yeah and I remember throughout college and all of this uh, a lot of people like a lot of my friends or their their parents would be like wow, you, you did so much, like you've done this, blah, blah, blah. And, and I'm like, well, how did you, you know? And I'm like, well, I just think that anybody can do anything. Like if you, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, and that was, that was something subconscious that I had where it was like, anybody can do anything. That means I can do whatever I want. And it's like, it's just a matter of building that. It's hard work and whatever. And I think I have my own, obviously, limitations in my mind. But just having that positive mindset it's already like this amazing foundation that yeah. you build on it is a superpower it really is and and you can see you can see with with the people that grew up with that and kind of got that as their original programming let's mm -hmm. say right mm -hmm. you can see how how well it serves them uh for someone like me i did not have that as my i think my notch, <laughs> my, my first programming was very negative to be honest and a lot of like not all negative obviously no nobody is but yeah it was a lot of negative because it's very dysfunctional family it was not a happy family it was not a family where you were like seeing possibilities but even though it's so possible to change it and there's no end point and that's why I want to like put a caveat always when we say oh you program most of 
your subconscious believes in the first few years of life, yes, but that doesn't mean that you can't change it at any given point in time. Like even when you're a hundred years old, you're still completely able to change it. And they call that neuroplasticity, right? Because mm -hmm. neurons, they just fire together. It's like electricity or something, but they fire together in a certain pattern that can change at any given moment and changing it doesn't really have to be as hard as we're told one of the limiting beliefs that i'm always trying to get rid of is oh changing is so hard and it takes such a long time which really is because we're changed we're trying to change in the wrong way so if you want to change like a habit but you're using your conscious mind you're using the wrong tool. Like you're using wow. your hammer to screw a screw, mm -hmm. right? It's like your conscious mind doesn't change your subconscious mind. It doesn't really work that way, yeah. right? So that's like when somebody consciously wants to quit smoking, but then subconsciously they want to continue. So they continue, right? Um, so I think the reason we, we believe it's hard to change is because we don't have the right tool. So once you have the right tool, changing is pretty pleasant and even fun and interesting and, and all the positive things. Like when I work with people with hypnosis, I don't think anybody ever has like an experience that like, oh, that was so hard and exhausting and draining. It's like the opposite. It's like, oh, that was such a like nice, relaxing, uplifting experience. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. it definitely was. <laughs> yeah, isn't that yeah. funny? Mm -hmm. so when people say like oh you know you have to work on yourself i'm like no you know what that's not the right phrase like if you want to make it more real like it really is it's not like you have to work on yourself it's more like you start loving yourself and life becomes better it's mm -hmm. more like that yeah yeah th that's so interesting you say that because it's 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 true when you're in a negative place in your in your life, I guess, or I don't know, in an episode, you think it's so hard to not be there. And yeah. when we did our session, it's like it could be something so simple as just being aware yeah. of like past memories yeah. that you have. It's that it's that simple where you now you start like, you know, putting things into your your life, implementing different um, things into your life that slowly but easily help you, you know, rewire your brain. Yeah. And you're so right. The tools are so important. It's just so critical. Yeah. With wow. the right tool, it becomes a very pleasant journey. Like, like if you're in your self-healing journey right now and it just always feel very heavy and very hard, look for ways to make it lighter and more fun because also the way that we change, the way that we shift is often by having fun. Like putting on your favorite song, dancing, um, you know, like for me, it's a lot about music for some reason, like blasting music while you're driving, like just allowing yourself to be more childlike. And when you do kind of like returning to the things that are pleasant and joyful, and your kind of natural rhythm of things and finding yourself again. 
and that's real healing and that's what you know like healing really looks like and feels like it's like oh i feel at home with myself i feel good i feel in the flow right it doesn't have to be hard and heavy and exhausting even though i know that there are times that we have to go through that too because we are humans and we do experience the full range of emotions and that is normal and that's totally totally normal and valid and i do too and i'm sure you do too (laughs) but you don't have to be stuck in any emotions forever right every Mm. single emotion is like a wave just kind of rolling through even when you feel amazing and happy and light that's not going to last forever either right so everything is just moving through so um finding also like an anchor a point within yourself where you know that you're okay whether you're up or down whether that wave is kind of like on the top and you feel amazing or it's in the bottom and you don't just knowing that regardless of that i'm actually okay and things are working out for me that's one of the stabilizing things that can really help on this journey it's one of the things that i always repeat in a hypnotic trance to give people that stability of you know what no matter what i'm still okay so you've been doing hypnotherapy for eight years now uh no actually it's it's not even four but yeah i was a yoga okay. teacher for eight okay. years then okay. i become a hypnotherapist yeah, yeah i mean still that's that's incredible and what do you like most about the practice i love that i get to hold space for people's healing i mean there, there's there's just pure magic in that obviously to just like be there when people have that experience right like i never want to fool myself into thinking that i'm the healer i know that i'm just holding space for it but just the fact that i am you know have the privilege of holding that space is incredible right it's like it's it's so pure in its purpose um and and i also I love that I'm able to sit with emotions the way that I am today because I know that, um, you know, in my 20s, that would have been impossible. Like I was like a lot of people probably still are like if somebody was suffering, I felt I had to fix it. You know, if somebody's like telling you something about how they feel grief you try to find a silver lining for example oh but at least you have okay you know yeah yeah. this is like a classic thing that we do because we get very uncomfortable with suffering and suffering again is a very natural part of being human so i love that i'm able today to sit with that because i have experience my own suffering and been able to sit with that and just you know kind of meditate on that that it's okay and that i am again okay um so i love that part of it i love that i get to connect with many different people um i love to see how so many people are becoming aware and a lot of people are also way younger than i was when i was introduced to any of this Um, I meet with people in their early 20s and they're already aware of all these things and they're already working on it. And I'm like, oh, my God, where are you going to be when you're 40? Like, can you imagine? Yeah, it's incredible. 
Can you imagine if everyone, like, literally as you're a teenager and you become aware of your, you know, when you're, like, kind of like, okay, I'm emotional. Imagine being able to adjust and become aware of your emotions when you're that young. Yeah. I mean, the whole world would be, like, so, I don't know, so amazing. You know, and to me, for example, I mean, I I would love kids in my future. But it's, like, I want to... I want to be there for when I'm like really healed for them, right? Mm-hmm. And and I see that a lot of a lot of parents come and and they have kids and like they have so many things that they need to heal before they can even like give that to their their children and sometimes a child carries that. And it's so hard because that's just how we evolve. Yeah. And and also, you know, it's both true that it's good to start your healing process before you have kids but another point that sometimes is not being made is that having kids is such a healing experience Mm -hmm. in itself and to let it be that like realizing that you're never going to be completely healed Mm -hmm. or maybe for one second but but then the next thing is gonna come yeah <laughs> no of course it's life it's a journey right <laughs> there's always uh, something there's always <laughs> gonna be something right so so yeah it is great to have some awareness before you have kids but i see also some of the most nurturing caring like really like generous women i know that are kind of like afraid of taking that step because they're like oh i still have so much more healing i have to do (laughs) literally (laughs) right so so if you're that person then go ahead go ahead and heal with your children which is a beautiful beautiful experience if you're already open to healing it's just going to continue I actually don't think it's common at all that somebody starts a healing process and then kind of stops. I think once you start, you you keep going and you have your, I don't want your whole life to be healing because that's not the purpose with life. But but it's like, it's something that you keep returning to when you need it and you go in and out of it. and, And once you're open to it, I think you stay open to it usually, typically. So, so it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful way of living life. And the young ones I see now, what is it? Gen Z? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Gen Z, they're, they're amazing. Like, wow. Like the tools they have. And I think like we older generations, we always make fun of them, like online, especially for being too sensitive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is so funny because it's our old programming of like, oh but you know take it as a man or you know like don't be such a you know it's like we think it's better to shove those emotions in and not even acknowledge them versus this new generation that is like very aware oh that (laughs) that hurt my feelings and i want to talk about it Mm-hmm. And and how much easier is life when you do it that way, right? Like yeah. any relationship, like instead Anything. of pretending, oh, I'm fine, I'm okay. No, actually, that was hurtful, and let's yeah. talk about it. Yeah, exactly. Wow, mm. that's such a big factor. Like just communicating. Yeah. Communicating, being able to express. Yeah. I think that's so big, and I love that now everyone is expressing, right? Yeah. And it's so beautiful. It's like I we're given it. permission now to talk about yes. it. Yeah. yeah, exactly. 
exactly and we have the platforms too you yeah know? before it was like you know only mainstream media had you know the platform to express but now with all this like social media and all that stuff it's it's incredible exactly mm -hmm. you can find people who have a similar experience to you which is amazing i mean uh, when i grew up uh, there was it was really not easy you would mm -hmm. go to the library and try to find a book about what you were feeling but that was it like it wasn't like you could just google it yeah yes yeah. okay so tell me a little bit about like the process with um let's say someone that comes to you someone close to you they're like okay i you know i want to do a session with you and and how is like the process of what you go through with this this person so usually it's word of mouth i don't do much promotions because i want it to be word of mouth i want it to mm -hmm. be like you telling your friend that you had a good experience and what i do is transformational sessions um, i typically just do one longer session i always work with women in one session typically you receive the tools you need to make the shift that you want when i did my training and just w what is typically being taught is that again change is hard you need many sessions just like therapy like you need to go every week for this or that long time um, that's kind of part of the myth about change so if you're open to change if you're ready to change you can start changing right now and then after the session with me you continue you have the tools it's so important that you don't need me right like if you start needing me to change like what are you going to do when i move away right like you can't rely on somebody else to do it for you what's really empowering and what's really going to build your confidence and and really be useful the most beneficial is that you receive the tools and you know how to do it on your own right so so that's my whole practice granted i have other incomes so <laughs> if i didn't and i had to make my whole living um of my transformational sessions then maybe i would have to sell people on like packages and <laughs> you know mm -hmm. no you need five sessions but thank god i don't so so usually in one session uh, i give the tools it's like a 90 minutes two hours session then after that you get your own personalized affirmations you get your post-hypnotic notes kind of explaining exactly what happened in the session and you get your recordings that you can continue to listen to which can be incredibly helpful for a lot of people and and you're good usually you're good um i do my yoga i do yoga teacher trainings i do you know uh, meditation teacher trainings so i i have income <laughs> <laughs> in other places <laughs> right I do retreats I do works I do a lot of things and and I love that because I don't want to be um you know desperate for you to take more sessions with of me of course I just I love the, the process that how you do it. it it's incredible and just knowing that it's is this one session it's like it's like you're right like change it can be easy yeah it can be if you yeah. choose if that, you allow it if you allow it yeah. it can be really easy and and what makes it hard is that sometimes we limit ourselves you know we have more limiting beliefs or like more you know excuses that we we have and and it, we just make it harder on ourselves you yeah. know sometimes we really pace ourselves like oh this change is going to be hard so it's probably going to take years 
well, guess what? If that's your limiting belief, then maybe it will, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, like getting rid of that is, is really step number one. And then um, I, I, feel, I feel extremely fortunate to, to be offering the service and do it in, in such a relaxed way that it's not like, because I think when I started with hypnosis, I was looking at, you know, a lot of life coaches online and how you're like constantly have to like sell yourself. So I thought, oh, that's that's what I should be doing. <laughs> and it's really draining for some people. Like for me, it's, it's pretty draining to be like constantly selling. Um, for some people, that's amazing. Uh, for me, it was not. And, and I just love the setup so much more that I'm like, no, like the 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 service sells itself somebody has Mm. a good experience they tell their good friend and and that's it yeah yeah you find the best way for you yeah you know that's amazing okay so um i have two more questions for you i know we're we're in a limit time here can you tell me a little bit about the science behind the subconscious and how you know how we take it on every day and how we make decisions based on our subconscious emotions yeah so the mind-blowing thing is that even though we fully identify with our conscious mind it takes five percent of our or it makes five percent of our choices so we fully identify with the part of our minds that make very few choices Mm -hmm. usually the conscious mind makes like very big choices where like you're very aware of right yeah the subconscious mind takes care of everything else so unless you like stop and think about like what do i want to do here it's the subconscious mind and when they study it even when people are asked was this a conscious choice or were you just like kind of habitually making a choice A lot of times they say it was a conscious choice but then when you study the process in the brain it turns out they had already chosen habitually when they made the so-called conscious choice right so again same as we said earlier it's like you do something and then you rationalize it afterwards you can see it all the time like somebody did something let's say quote unquote wrong and then they're asked you know why did you do it they're going to try to rationalize it oh i did it because so and so but probably they did it because they were just in a habitual mode right Mm -hmm. so that autopilot is going to make 95 percent or so of our choices in our life so if the autopilot is pointing towards the wrong direction right like when you're on autopilot of a plane you have to program the plane to go where you want to go obviously yeah so let's imagine that the autopilot is going towards your fears because you're anxious and you're worrying all the time that is a way to set your autopilot towards the things that you are afraid of and unfortunately we all kind of do it to some degree but if we can get away from that as much as possible and really turn the autopilot towards the things that we want then we're going to start going towards that right we're going to start noticing all the possibilities of things going right of things going our way instead of noticing things going wrong and not going our way yeah yeah of course i you know sometimes i have trouble 
distinguishing the difference between me making a choice out of fear, mm-hmm. right? Something that I, I'm choosing because I'm scared to do this, right? Or it, if it's like I'm choosing, I'm choosing it right because now I'm like I want to confront things. You know what I mean? Like, you know, like that emotion of fear when you're like really scared. And so you make a decision out of this fear. But then sometimes we are supposed to kind of come out of our comfort zones. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Like Like growth and new things usually evoke some kind of fear, right? mm -hmm. Like doing something you've never done before. You're probably going to feel some nervousness. Yeah. Low grade fear at least. So it's very interesting to distinguish, like you say, between fear that is something that you should be warned by, like a red flag fear, like I need to protect myself in this situation versus this is new and because it's new, it makes me nervous, but it's going to be a growth opportunity, right? So when you feel the fear, the first question to ask is, Am I in danger? This is for all fear, always. So like when you feel fear in the, in the form of anxiety and worrying, always ask yourself, am I in danger right now? Because if you are, then it's a very uh, beneficial feeling, right. right? If you're in danger, actual danger, then good that you have fear because act on it and put yourself mm-hmm. to a safer, uh, in a safer position, right? But if the answer is no, I'm not in danger right now, then the question is, is that fear even useful? Interesting. Is this fear just because um, I'm in an unusual situation, but it's completely harmless, right? It's like when you when you have a job opportunity, I mean, it can be terrifying, but are you actually in danger? Right. So if the if the answer is no, I'm not in danger, then you can see that fear as opportunity for growth. Wow. Thank you. Sometimes that's so hard for me to distinguish. For all of us. Uh, all of it's us. so hard because, you know, I read that it's like, you know, fear com- stems from different parts of your body. So if it comes from your stomach, it's it's usually fear based from your limited beliefs. If it comes from the heart, it's like um, it's like a, a good fear. Or something like that. Mm. I don't know. But it's like, that's interesting because sometimes we don't know. We don't know where it stems from and and we might be choosing, you know, based on something that's maybe not beneficial for us, but that's good. Yeah, I mean, dig into it. What is Mm -hmm. the worst thing that could happen? I mean, let's say you Mm -hmm. have fear to explore doing something that you really want to do. Well, Mm -hmm. ask yourself, what is the worst thing that can happen? And if that's a really dangerous thing, then maybe that fear is... It's yeah. a good fear, right? Yeah. But but if the worst thing that can happen is that, oh, I try it and it doesn't work out, but, you know, I'm still okay, like nothing bad will happen to me, then go ahead and try it, right? Yeah. Um, so I think, yeah, we have to take that fear that is kind of diffuse and doesn't have a real, um, a real description yet because it's just like lurking in the muddy waters of your subconscious mind you're kind of just scared without really knowing exactly what's going on bring it out into the light look at it okay what am i afraid of what would happen if worst case scenario comes true how would i deal with it would it be worth it am i willing to risk that just make it all conscious 
And then you can make an educated decision. And that might be completely different than just having that lurking fear that's kind of um, much scarier. Honestly, when there's no word, words for fear, it's much scarier. It's like the dark closet. The kid is like, there is a monster in the closet, right? Open the closet, shine the light on it. You know exactly what's in that closet. Yeah, and figure it out. Wow. Okay, yeah. And just to pick your brain, what books have really impacted you? So for hypnosis, there is this man called Richard Bantler. He is a founder of neuro-linguistic programming he has a book called transformation so trans like a hypnotic trans with the c uh ce uh formation and i love this book um i think it's hilarious maybe i'm just such a nerd but i read that book and i laugh out loud (laughs) (laughs) and it's so liberating because it's all about just becoming endlessly curious when you speak to people and not go into any session having any of your own limiting beliefs like oh if somebody does this is because of that no like I have no idea why you do the things you do so I have to Mm -hmm. get so curious and just keep asking and Mm -hmm. just really get into your world like what makes sense to you right and and that book like really explains that in, in the most amazing way um, I love um, Radical Acceptance by Tara Brock. She's an amazing Buddhist psychologist and you know mindfulness um, teacher. She has great mindfulness meditations online that are free. You can just Google Tara Brock, B-R-A-C-H. Uh, and her book Radical Acceptance is amazing i mean if you've ever been drawn to buddhism like she she nails it it's like this is how you find happiness you know like just radically fucking accept yourself you know as you are you don't have to change you know which is the whole like crazy um paradox of doing change work is realizing that you don't have to change you're okay as you are and because of that you can change well, thank you so much. Do you have anything else you would want to say before we close out? Um, this was so nice, Daniela. Yeah. Thank you for having me. No, thank you for your time. Yeah. I, I feel honored, honestly, that you, you know, you joined us today. It was amazing. Thank I you. loved being here and I loved connecting with you. And good luck with everything now. Thank you. Thank you, thank you so much. Bye.